You're listening to the winning literary show, Off the Shelf Books Talk Radio, live with host Denise Turney, author of the books Long Walk Up, Portia, Love More Over Me, Spiral, Love Has Many Faces, and Rosetta's Great Hope. Turn up your dial and get ready for a blast of feature author interviews, 411 on book festivals, writing conferences, and so much more. Ready? Let's go. Good morning out there in Blog Talk Radio, Rainbow Soul Off the Shelf, iTunes, wherever you're connecting to Off the Shelf. I want to wish you a happy, blessed Saturday, March the 24th, and you absolutely are listening to the Winning Book Radio Show Off the Shelf. Before I introduce you to today's guest, I just want to leave this thought with you, and it's from Winston Churchill. The pessimist sees difficulty in every opportunity. The optimist sees opportunity in every difficulty. And again, I welcome you, especially to our our loyal listeners who've been with us for 15 years and those who are just stopping by. So happy to have you here with us this morning on Off the Shelf. And we do have a, a and this is an on-time guest here coming on this morning with all that's going on in the world. Could we not use uh, to shift our thoughts into the better parts of us so we, we can produce and create and receive blessings and start to receive more good? That 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 is rightfully ours. But before I introduce to you today's guest, I keep asking you guys, how good of a mystery sleuth are you? Are you good at figuring things out? Because in Love Pour Over Me, there's a lot to figure out. Not only is there something that the, the, the one of the major stars of the story, Raymond Clark, he is an outstanding middle distance runner. He's on his way to the Olympics, and he's also very talented academically. But he's raised by a single parent, a father, who stayed when his mother left when he was only two, at a time when men were not doing that. This that's more common today, although women still do it a whole lot more. But back then it was unheard of. But his father had untreated alcoholism. So he's growing up in this home with a man who loved him enough to not leave. But he has this, this sickness and he's mean. I mean, he is, the readers do not like the father at the start of the story at all. So Raymond's coming up with this, and he's talented, and he's gifted, and he's a very loving person, but he's got issues now to deal with thanks to his dad. He goes off to college, and he witnesses something. And this is what I was asking if you're a good mystery sleuth. He witnesses something that he seemingly has nothing to do with. I mean, he just got this good. But if you read this story, you'll see how it starts to pull him in. And then he meets Brenda, who is the his true soulmate, the love of his life. But how how has his relationship growing up impacted his ability to even relate with Brenda? And then there are these four friends. And back to the mystery. Is one of the friends involved in the mystery? Is that how he gets pulled into this? If you value relationships, and I mean really, truly value what they the, the blessings they open us up to. They can also drag us down, but the blessings they open us up to. And you like a good mystery, I would stop what I'm doing and get a copy of Love Pour Over Me right now. It's an ebook or in print format. Please get a copy. Treat yourself while you may be quarantined at home and let me know how you enjoy 
love pour over me. And now let us go and meet our very special off-the-shelf guest. And our special guest this morning is Craig Covavo. And if I'm saying his name right, I hope he corrects me. Craig is the co-founder of Awesome Life, a program that he started with his wife, Amy. He loves the outdoors and is an environmental environmental conscious consumer. He works with Water.org, and this is an organization founded 25 years ago by actor Matt Damon and Gary White to bring safe water and sanitation solutions to global communities. It might not seem that we need that so much around the world when you're in the United States, but oh my goodness, is there a need for that. that. And just what, what, what Michigan went through, Flint, people see just what how important it is to have Safe, clean water. So we thank him for his work. And Craig is also the author of the book, I Am God in Disguise, So Are You. Please visit Craig online at awesomelife.com, A-W-E-S-O-M-L-I-F-E.com, A-W-E-S-O-M-L-I-F-E.com. We are honored, honored, honored to have Craig with us here this morning. I hope I'm picking up the right line. Good morning, Craig. Denise, Denise, how are you? How do you hear I'm me clearly? Good. I hope I'm getting the right line. Uh, uh, good morning. So happy to have you here with us this morning, and what a perfect time to have hey. you on to share your message with our listeners uh, this morning, Craig. The first few questions I'm going to ask you, I ask every guest who comes on the show, just so our listeners can get a little backstory on our guests before I go right into the question. So to kick it off, Craig, could you please tell off-the-shelf listeners where you grew up and what life was like for you growing up? Oh, sure, sure. Uh, first of all, thank you very much for uh, inviting me and allowing me to come on your show and share a little bit of my message with your audience. I, I greatly appreciate that. And, and I heard on your intro you said 15 years. Wow, congratulations. Thank you, thank you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I was born and raised in the Chicagoland area, and as soon as I was old enough to leave – <laughs> everything in my car and headed south because I hate the cold weather. So ah. uh, anyone who's spent any time in the Windy City uh, knows that those winters can be brutal. So uh, when I graduated from college, I packed everything I owned into my into my little Ford Escort, and I had a road atlas in my in, in my lap. And I just told my parents that I was heading south and I was going to call them when I got there. And uh, that's kind of how my journey into my adult life began. Are you serious? Absolutely. Oh, my gosh. You, you didn't, hey. you, did you have any, what an adventurer. I am, you know what I hear about college students before they, they get married, before they have kids. They're going to go out and travel to different countries, and they just pick up and go. I, I, I really, really applaud you for that. Did you have any place in, in mind, or you just took off driving heading south? I did. You know, I, did, I, I swear, I was just heading for warmer weather, and, um, you know, ironic. It's funny. I, you, you can do this when you're that age because 
you know, most of us don't have any responsibilities. Uh, you know, mo- you know, most, you know, people who are just graduating from college aren't married or don't have kids yet. I was lucky that I had a few thousand dollars in my pocket, uh, graduation gifts and money from friends and family and relatives. So yeah, yeah. If you if you look at a road map, it's funny. If you look at an atlas, due south of Chicago, if you drive south and just keep going, you're gonna dead end into the Gulf of Mexico, and that's what I did. I hit Galveston, Texas. Um, I quickly decided I didn't want to live on an island, so I backed it up about 20, 30 miles to Houston, and. Um, I went into this little cantina, this little Mexican uh, taco joint, and I sat at the bar and ordered some tacos, and and I was looking at the newspaper at at uh, job at job classified ads, and um, this is how the universe this is how this is how the universe works, Denise. The bartender came up to me and he started talking. And he asked me, you know, where I was headed, and I, I told him I was probably gonna land in Houston, and he said, well, my my roommate just moved out. He said I have a I have a really nice two bedroom two bath townhouse. He said, uh, when were you when were you thinking about moving? And I I laughed and I said, well, all my all my crap is out in my car, <laughs> and. Uh, after after he got off work, I went and looked at his townhouse, and I moved in. Wow. Oh, my gosh. So, and no surprise that you have gotten to where you are today. As a kid, <laughs> what did you want what did you want to be when you were a kid, when you grew up? What did you dream of being? Well, my dad was a state farm insurance agent my whole life. Actually, he still is. Um, he's. 84 years old right now and he's he still has his state farm agency so i don't know i guess as all little kids i probably looked up to my dad and just assumed i would follow in his footsteps um and uh i uh you know the the universe had different plans for me i just kind of followed my intuition and got pulled in some different directions now, were you were you raised to be environmentally conscious when you were a child? If not, what put you on this particular path? No, I I really truly wasn't. Um, it wasn't until I discovered and kind of got more onto my spiritual path and you know became more awakened um, that I kind of, you know, looked around at the world and and realized, hey, you know what, we only, we've only got one planet, and if we don't start taking care of it, it's it's kind of weird. We're, you know, I, I've been asked before, Denise, you know, when, when did I begin my spiritual path? Well, I believe we're all born on our spiritual path, and, and really the, 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 probably the real question would be, you know when do you be, when do you become aware of your spiritual path and i was about 30 years old and um you know so so i don't know if if that's i don't know if there's any average you know time or age where people start to become more aware but when 
you know, once you discover your divine nature and you start to become more connected to those around you and to your planet, you know, then you'll start to really appreciate things more. And, um, you know, just the idea of, you know, poisoning the Mother Earth, you know, it, it soon becomes an absurd notion. And that's really one of the reasons I, I wrote the book. I, uh, you know, I, I look around at the world, and I'm sure that you would agree, and hopefully the listeners would agree, if you turn on the nightly news or look in the newspaper, we need more awakened beings on this planet now. And although I'm optimistic, I do feel a sense of urgency. You know, we we see turmoil, whether it's, you know, the political environment we're living in or just the chaos going on worldwide. And And I really, really believe that if more people can can just turn their sights inward and become a little more aware, a little more awakened, miracles can start to happen and I think the world the world can change. You know what, I wanted to ask you this cuz I, I when I when I talk to people and appreciate what you've shared and what you're going to share Craig um but when I talk to people this is something when I'm in at a worship center I see this all around me. Is this is almost a magical thinking that I think a lot of us fall up under and I don't know where this comes from. But how do we move beyond the magical thinking that the environment, our relationships, communities, some people are that way with their money or their health. It's just mm-hmm. this magical mm-hmm. thinking that things will just magically take care of themselves. And and no matter no matter what I do, it's just gonna it's just gonna magically. I mean, faith and trust are are different, but this this magical thinking that uh, I can eat anything and it it will produce no negative effect. Uh, uh, I can litter. I can do whatever, and this earth will just stay. It'll just stay fine. This magical thinking, I don't know where it comes from, but how can we move away from that? Right, right. Well, well, I believe, and I totally understand what you're saying, because during our early development, and and again, I can't put an age on this, uh, you know, saying, you know, well, by the time you're 27, you know, it doesn't work like that. But but during some of the first stages of our development in life, and I kind of outline, you know, six different stages that I, in in hindsight, I see that we go through. During the unconscious stages of life, when we're really unaware that the spiritual path even exists, we're, we go through the school of life, and the school of life can be brutal. And... Um, during these this phase is when we think like like you just said we think there's no negative you know ramifications to our actions we you know we litter we pollute and that includes not only our external world but ourselves our bodies and you know we can eat crap food we can smoke cigarettes we can you know, I mean, I was a mess when I was young. I was using and abusing drugs and alcohol. So, so the school of life, in in a in a mystical sense, Denise, uh, pain 
in a way is good because it it leads us you know it's kind of a guidepost you know i believe that all pain and suffering that we see in the external world and that we feel internally is caused by our disconnection our our disconnection from the divine part of our nature and as long as we're unaware and we're disconnected from that part of ourselves, you know, we're going to kind of be bumping along through the world. And, you know, I mentioned the school of life, like school, the school of life every single day is going to be giving us lessons and tests. And again, like any school, if we ignore our lessons and we don't look for the meaning and we don't look for the wisdom in the lessons, the tests are going to become more and more difficult and more and more pain, and they become more painful. I mean, the, the, the universe is really a friendly, loving place, and it wants us all to succeed. Uh, so in the beginning, these lessons are very, very gentle, we might get just a little gentle poke from the universe and that tells us, hey, look at you're going the wrong way. You know, we, we have a painful experience. All right, you're going the wrong way. You know, you, you, you better start being more aware. But, but if you're like me, if you're one of the stubborn ones, <laughs> you're, you have a high level of pain tolerance. You know, life keeps like serving up harder and harder and harder lessons. Until eventually, Denise, it's like getting hit over the head with a club. And then finally, you know, we find ourselves sick or, you know, with some kind of disease or ailment from or or maybe we're obese or we're, you know, what, you know whatever you talk about, poor, poor diet or poor eating habits. And eventually we wake up and say, hey, I got to start taking care of myself. Or we look around the planet and we hear, you know, global warming and, you know, we we watch on the news, you know, how uh, temperatures are rising and the world is changing. And, and we think, you know what, it's time to start making changes. So that's what I think happens. I, I think during these unconscious stages of life, we, we, we get directed and, and the universe is really, really trying hard to, to uh, serve us lessons and show us what direction to go in. Did, did that answer your question? Yes, and the the uh, so we do learn that we have a role to play in this and this magical thinking that it's just going to work out. I remember when I was a kid, I threw some trash. I was riding in the car with my paternal grandparents, and I threw some garbage out. So, and my grandparents were like, "What did you do that for? And who, who do you think is going to pick that up?" And I said, "Well, the people who <laughs> who clean." They said, "No, don't ever do that again." Who who do you think is supposed to pick it up? If, so just this thinking of it'll be taken care of instead of, of of I guess I don't know if it's a lack of feeling our own power that no you do it you do mm-hmm. it you see something that needs to be done you do it can you can you share with us a synopsis for I am God in disguise, so are you. For our listeners, who this is their very first time hearing of the book, I am God in disguise, so are you. Can you just tell them, give them a brief overview of what the book is about? Sure, sure. You know, if I can, I'd like to first 
just touch on the title briefly. You know, I think every author, you know, deep down wants their book title or their book cover to be bold or to be eye-catching. And um, I'm a little bit surprised on occasion when I hear my book title being described as being controversial. And it's it's not a whole lot, but, but occasionally, you know, I've been on some radio and some TV shows where people have, you know, asked me if I've gotten a lot of pushback because of the controversial title. And Denise, you know, really this message that we are all gods, it's not exactly a new age message. I have found these teachings in the Hindu scriptures, which are thousands of years old, in Buddhism, and even in the Bible. I've had, I've had some of my uh, readers email me recently, and I'll be honest, I'm not the most religious guy there is, so I'm kind of excited when, when people email me this kind of stuff. I've got a couple of of Bible quotes I want to share with you just real quick. This this is one of my favorites. Uh, um, a, a reader sent me just maybe a month ago. I am in the Father, and the Father is in me. The words I say, I do not speak of my own authority. Rather, it's the Father living in me, doing his work. Whoever believes in me will also do the work that I am doing. Boy, if if that doesn't say I am God in disguise, so are you. I don't know what does. So, mm-hmm. so my point is, this should not be controversial. If anyone is turned off, you know, by the book title, I promise you, you know, this is not, you know, the, you know, these teachings go way back, and um, it might help if I explain how I define God, just just briefly. I see God as my life force, more or less um, a vibrating energy that animates every cell in my body. And, Denise, this energy not only flows through me, it flows through all of creation. I, I see this energy as what connects us all. And, and people will ask, well, then, you know, if that's God, what's the soul? So I see soul are, are, is our individual reflection of that energy. If, if, you saw, if you saw God as being this big, huge, all-encompassing ocean of energy, and we take like an eyedropper full of that ocean water, and we deposit that water into every single newborn baby, that is the soul. And and to to carry that metaphor, you know, a little bit further, when these bodies grow old and wear out and reach the end of their physical lifetime, and that'll happen to all of us, um, as we learn in physics, energy can never be destroyed. So so those drops of water that I talk about they just change form. So when these bodies perish and, and you know, their time is done on this earth, that energy will be evaporated, more or less returns to source, 
And when it rains, the way I like to look at it, when it rains, it returns back to the ocean. So, so I don't know. That's, that's the way I see God, and that's my definition of God and energy. So when I say I am God in disguise, that's the God I'm talking about. I'm not talking about the, the old-fashioned, you know, Old Testament God that's, you know, sitting in a throne up in the sky somewhere who's an external judgmental God. Um, so I just wanted to make that clear with everyone. In, in addition, the, the title of my book really perfectly reflects my philosophy on life. That, that life is meant to be a fun, exciting adventure. And what could be more fun and exciting than to be a supernatural being in disguise on a covert mission? So, you know, that kind of boils down the, the title of the book anyway. Can I, okay. do, you mind if I, do you mind if I just kind of briefly give you, you know, what my message is in a nutshell? Sure, I want to get an overview of the book for our listeners. Please do. Okay, okay, fantastic. So, so Denise, I believe we're all born into this world as a body and a soul, and and both entities are equally important for this adventure. And actually, the way I see birth, I feel like at birth we're being pulled from an invisible world of pure energy, pure spirit, into this world of form. I mean, even doctors will tell you that somewhere between the 22nd and the 30th day, that's after conception, that this spark of life, this, this energy just appears from nowhere. And, you know, they often refer to it as the heartbeat, but in reality, at the 22nd day, after conception, the heart's not even formed. So, so in my opinion, this spark of life, this is soul, this is spirit entering the body. For, for those of you who are, who are waiting for the second coming, <laughs> this is it. This is what I believe is the second coming. There's a, there's a mystic a philosopher, his name was Tehard de Chardin, and uh, he was actually a Jesuit priest who lived back, you know, 70 or 80 years ago, the early 1900s. And one of his favorite quotes or one, one of his famous quotes was, we are spiritual beings having human experience. So, so that's kind of how I believe our life begins on, on this planet. Um, anyway, somewhere during our early development, our soul or our divine part of our nature voluntarily goes into hibernation. And we kind of develop, Denise, um, uh, temporary amnesia, and we forget about that divine part of ourselves. And we shouldn't feel guilty. We shouldn't beat ourselves up. There, this is all part of a master plan. And I totally believe that the universe doesn't make mistakes. And um, actually, I printed just a short little excerpt from from the book that I really think uh, describes this uh, really, really well. Uh, and it goes like this. As we transition 
from the world of spirit to the world of form, we find ourselves in a very strange place. As spiritual beings having this human experience, we feel fear for the first time. Primal fear leads to the creation of our bodyguard, who will become our loyal partner for years to come. Our true self must step aside for this portion of our adventure. This sleeping giant will become a distant memory. This temporary amnesia is necessary during this phase of our journey. The sleeping giant will awaken when the time is right, but for now we have much to learn. So, Denise, what I'm saying is forgetting our divine nature is a necessary part of our evolution, but so is remembering. So that's that's kind of how the book starts, and that leads us into the school of life. Mm. Now, how does your book, Craig, I Am God in the Sky, So Are You, how does it differ from other books in, in the genre? Well, the biggest thing, you know, I've my goal was to simplify and demystify the spiritual path and I've been a seeker for decades and I don't know have you been down that aisle at Bar- at Barnes and Noble the one that's entitled um spirituality self-help religion yes I yes think? yeah well I have personally for 20 years I have worn out the carpet in that aisle and I can't tell you how many, I've read hundreds of those books and you know, so many of them are, at least to me, this is just, I can only speak for myself, were, I found them to be very, very complex. Have you ever read a page in a book and found yourself reading the same page over and over, just trying to absorb, you know, the idea? Mm-hmm. Well, I promise you, my book is very, very simple. My goal was to to demystify this process as a matter of fact you know as i said i believe life is meant to be this fun lighthearted adventure and if you've noticed denise i've got 20 i think there's 24 or 25 they're comic like uh, illustrations that are scattered throughout the book and these illustrations or these uh, comics are just kind of a a fun way that helped me tell my story and and you know there's there's a there's a way there's a mindset that really helps me stay in this kind of uh fun and lighthearted um uh, way of life and and it's it, it kind of goes like this if you can remember that this universe has been unfolding for over 13.8 billion years and it's going to continue to unfold whether we like it or not you know think about it why not just like it you know why do we keep fighting it when we really have very very little control so i don't know if um what, what we do denise is Instead of just allowing life to naturally unfold, most of us, including me, 
we we create this long list of preferences, all of our likes and dislikes. And really all all we're trying to do is we're trying to control the best we can. We're trying to have some control over our world. And occasionally we get lucky and all the stars align and all of our boxes get checked and we'll, and we'll have that one really, really awesome day. But all the other days, you know, the other six days in the week, you know, we're, we're pretty anxious. We're frustrated. We're, we're angry. And, um, I think that if, if we, if we will focus on the one thing that we do have control over, and that one thing is how we react to the world. We can't control the world, but we can focus on how we react to the unfolding world. Have you, have you heard Buddhist, uh, that Buddhist doctrine that teaches all of life is suffering? And no. You know, the, you, yeah, they, they say all of life is suffering, and that suffering is caused by our desires. And, you know, that that teaching's always made me scratch my head because, you know, all human beings have desires. So I was watching, I saw an interview on TV one day, and it was the Dalai Lama was being interviewed. And he said, you know, maybe it would help. He said, it's true, all humans have desires. He said, maybe it would help if we substitute the word dissatisfaction instead of desire. So that that was kind of an aha moment for me because when I substitute the word dissatisfaction, all of life is suffering caused by our dissatisfaction, that made a little bit more sense. So if you think about it, what are we dissatisfied with? We're, we're dissatisfied with what is. We are just kicking and we're kicking and screaming and fighting, Denise, every single day with this unfolding world. One, one, of my, one of my favorite authors is a guy named Michael Singer, and he wrote this great book called Untethered Soul. What he talks about, he says that we should live every moment of every day as if it's a magnificent surprise party. And he says, he says, live like, have a childlike joy and excitement and wonder for what's coming next. And uh, my wife and I, we, we went and saw him speak uh, in person. He gave a little talk about his book. And when he, when he talked about having this kind of surprise party, you know, life, my wife and I looked at each other on, on our drive home and we're like, Hey, let's try it. Let's try to live life. <laughs> no, no. So I'm not. I'm not kidding. So we had this little inside joke between the two of us, and we still, to this day, this was you know a year and a half ago. To this day, we still do it. And when things are unfolding, especially during challenging times, when when things happen that you know we can we can say are bad or things we didn't really expect. It's our inside joke. We race to see who's going to be the first one to yell surprise. And ah. don't, hey, don't get me wrong, Denise. It's not all rainbows and butterflies. I mean, sometimes we're laughing, but sometimes we're crying. 
And you know, I've had I've had people ask, okay, so that means you're submissive or does that mean you're passive? And really the opposite is true. When when you're coming from a place where you're not attached to one specific outcome, when you're coming from that place where you know, you're just waiting for life to unfold and you've got this childlike joy and wonder and you're not attached to a specific outcome, that is a powerful place to be in. Do you, do you know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But you, but you know, and, and this I was going to ask you, so if we're spirit, and why why would we, you answered it partly when you said, you know, the 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 giant has to, we, we have to remember, but almost for some reason feel separate. I don't think that's a need. Mm-hmm. I actually think we're supposed to be healing that separation that belief because it's not real. But why why would we, if we're spirit, why would we, and I don't, maybe none of us have the answer to this question, mm-hmm. but why would we come into this world where there already are in this world, by the time we get here, there are rules set up. There are traditions set up, and uh, it was, um, I can't think of his name right now, He passed, Wayne Dyer. He said, you know, to really get to, to where you want to be, if you, a, a dream born in you, it just you just notice it maybe when you're a kid. There's this dream to be, uh, to paint, to do whatever. There's just this dream, and you can't get rid of it no matter what. But we come into this world, like he said, to, to achieve that dream, you're going to have to leave your tribe. And when you go out to try to leave your tribe or the traditions, the patterns, man, are you you're in resistance? <laughs> so we come into a world that there's already this set up. This is what you're supposed to do. This is what you should do. If you have something birthed in you to do something different, like Abraham and the scriptures, are you ever going to hit a wall? But if we are, mm. then spirit, and this is the case here when we come into this world. We we have to go to school, and we have to go to school for this long, and we have to take these classes. We have to work these type of jobs. We have to pay bills. We have to buy a mortgage. Why would we come mm-hmm. into this world? And you said the surprise, right. just to do something that billions <laughs> of us have already done, and, and it's it's not brought anybody like an eternal joy. Why would we keep doing that? Right. Well, that's that's that. <laughs> that that's a great that's a great question you know my my original my original motivation for writing this book denise was really to share with with my kids some of these life experiences some of the you know the good the bad the ugly and and these aha moments you know, and I'm I'm going to circle I'm going to circle around and answer that question because that question you're asking is a huge one, and um, I kind of want to tell you how I got to that point and to to where I got had that aha moment. Um, so my original intention was to again to just share with my kids some of my life experiences, and I don't know maybe maybe all parents feel this this way at some point. Why should my kids have to go through the same the same crap, you know, the same drama and turmoil and pain and suffering struggles that I went through? So, you know, as I've already said, I've been a seeker on this journey for decades, and I've been journaling 
for many, many, many years. So I pulled out my dusty box of journals, and I decided I was just going to start this this project of trying to organize and put into some chronological order, you know, these experiences so I could, you know, share some of this wisdom with them. And I kid you not, it was it was around the six-month mark when I kind of got done with the first draft of of the manuscript. And when I got done reading it, Denise, it was no joke. It was like somebody gave me a secret treasure map. And, you know, you know, the, the joke though is this map was in a puzzle form and those pieces were given to me over decades. And, you know, the exciting part, I was excited and terrified you know, at this discovery, the exciting part was because now I had it. This puzzle was put together. I mean, it was like I I solved that big cosmic riddle, you know, the one, what's the meaning of life? And I think that's the question that that you're asking, and that I'm gonna I'm gonna try to double back to in a minute because I do I honestly feel like I've I've solved that that riddle. But but when I when I stepped back and I looked at this puzzle that was finally put together, I knew in my heart that I couldn't just keep this. My mission or my intention quickly evolved, I guess is what I'm trying to say. No longer was was this going to be something that I was just going to share with me and my kids. Um, the reason it was terrifying, Denise, well, really twofold. Number one, here is something that I'm writing that is very, very personal and private, something I intended to be just for my kids only. Uh, by the way, my kids are not children. They're, they're grown adults. I, I don't want to lead anyone to believe this is a children's book. Um, but here is something that's very personal and very private, and I now knew that it, I was going to, it was going to be something bigger. I was going to make this into a book and I was going to share it with the world. And for example, I knew someday that I was going to be on the phone with you, for example, you know, talking about this to a bunch of strangers. And, you know, to be honest with you, that, <laughs> that thought is still a little bit terrifying to me right now. So, um, I mean, to be vulnerable and to kind of wear, wear your heart on your sleeve is kind of scary. So um, my my intention and my mission has quickly changed, and I I kind of feel like uh, I don't know. You can I kind of look at myself as a spiritual activist right now. You know, my goal is to get this message out into the world. You know, as I said early when we started talking, I think I think we would all agree that. We need more awakened people on this planet now. So so whether you're brand new on this journey and you're just exploring these ideas for the first time, you know, maybe my message can can shed some light on this path for you. If um if you've been a seeker for decades, you know, maybe these insights that I spell out will just give you a new way to look at things. Or um or heck, if even better, if I'm preaching to the choir 
if if your listeners Denise have you know have been on this path for a long time and they've already discovered their divine nature and they've they've already they've already been on this path well that's fantastic because we need to all work together we need to inspire others on this path so if i'm preaching to the choir i need your help um but 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 finally to answer that question that cosmic riddle i believe that we all share the same purpose in life. And this should be a great relief to a lot of people because I've gone to a lot of workshops and I've heard a lot of people uh, be frustrated. You know, what's my purpose? I don't know what my purpose is in life. I believe that all events, and this is that cosmic riddle I was telling you about, I believe that all events, all experiences in our life are designed to lead us to discovery, to to that point where we finally look within and we rediscover, we reconnect with that divine part of our nature. And remember I said in the beginning that that, that divine part of ourselves kind of goes into hibernation for a while? It has it has to, Denise, because if we're going to go out into the school of life, we we need to be single-minded. We need to be focused on learning what it means to be human. You know, our our survival depends on it. And if if we were aware in those early stages of of that divine part of ourselves, if we would have known in those early stages that you know we were the we were the prince or the princess that we were born into royalty that you know divinity was our birthright heck we we would have locked our bedroom doors and we'd never come out i mean you know we would be we would be down on our knees praying take me back i want to come home so so i really i really believe that forgetting that divine part of our nature was necessary but rediscovering so all events in life are to lead us back to discovery and then and then being aware of that divine part of ourselves is not enough. We literally have to surrender to that part of our nature. We need to kind of put our hand on our chest and turn our gaze within and literally say, I mean this isn't some hocus pocus, you know, idea. I, I use this affirmation every day, Denise. I put my hand on my chest and I turn my gaze within and I say, I devote myself to you. I surrender. And, you know, this is just part of my, call it meditation, call it prayer, whatever you want. But you are turning over the controls to that, to that higher part of yourself. You know, the part that's been just, uh, I call it in the book, the sleeping giant who's been just patiently waiting to be discovered. And then and then last but not least, again, we all share the same purpose to discover, to surrender, and then the last stage is to inspire. And what I mean by that is after you discover and surrender, the sky is not going to open up and just suck you up into the sky. As as cool as that might be, that's not going to happen. Uh, after you discover and surrender, 
we've got work to do. And this is where the fun begins. This is where the magic begins. And this is why I say in the book title, You Are God in Disguise. We are on a covert mission, and we get to inspire others on this path. And and the reason I say in disguise or on a covert mission is because the fact is, Denise, not everybody is going to be like you and is going to want to start a podcast or write a book uh, you know, talking about love and talking about, you know, your divine nature or, you know, coming on the air and talking about the spiritual path. You know, that's, that's scary. Uh, you know, it's a, it's a very vulnerable place to be. However, you could be on a covert mission. I mean, can you imagine if we had millions of people in disguise on a covert mission you know, and it starts, you know, at the dinner table. It starts, you know, in your house, under your roof. You can lead by example. And trust me, Denise, when you start to change, people are always watching you, especially when they start to see positive changes happening in you. Um, so it happens first at home, and that could spread to your neighbors, to your friends, to your extended family that can extend to your family or to your community rather. And then outward, you know, in the bigger and bigger circles, it's kind of like throwing a pebble into the pond, you know, that circle of influence. So uh, that's why I say you're God in disguise and you get to be on this covert mission in disguise. So yes, you go out into this world like Wayne Dyer who I love, Wayne Dyer. He was one of my favorite authors who passed away a few years ago. So you you go out into the world, and you kind of, it's kind of like you know you're in disguise, and you, you go through your normal actions. You go to your job. I don't, want, I don't want everyone running off and hiding in a church or an ashram or becoming a monk. We need you here in this world right now. So go to your job, go to your workplace, and be in disguise and be this person who is spreading this, you know, high vibration, this loving energy uh, to others. And, um, you know, that's the message. And I'm very specific in the book um, about different ways of doing that. I, I thank you for sharing that. I wanted to ask you, we have about 10 minutes left in the show, but what is the epic battle? You talk about the epic battle in the book, and is there a time in our physical experience when this battle generally kicks off, and are there signs that we know we're actually engaged in this epic battle? Yeah, you know, that's a great that's a great question. So for me, that was the hardest stage in this development, um, you know, I talk about all of us, you know, that, you know, I feel like I've solved that cosmic riddle where, you know, our, all, our purpose is to discover, surrender, and then inspire. Well, unfortunately, the phase between discovery and surrender, to get from discovery to surrender, Denise, is where the epic battle lies. And... It's so funny. If I can just tell a, a brief little personal story, when when I first made the discovery, you know, of that divine part of my nature, when I discovered 
that sleeping giant or, you know, that soul, the spirit, call it whatever you want. It doesn't matter. Um, I was about 32 years old and, you know, I, I had met some friends who, who were kind of into the spirituality. They, they went to kind of a new agey type of a church and they were into meditation and different stuff that I thought at the time was really weird. And a couple of them had given me books on meditation and you know what, if you're not ready for that message, you will just totally shut it off because this is, this is not an intellectual journey. You, you can read all the books in that self-help section of the bookstore and you will not be any further along. And that includes my book. You know, what I'm hoping is my book might just shed some light on these different steps so you might walk a little bit quicker. Um, but anyway, so just one day the school of life was doing its job and it was really, really beating me up, wearing me down. Uh, you know, another failed relationship, uh, physically I was feeling sick and frustrated and stressed out, you know, as I, as I confessed, I was using and abusing drugs and alcohol I was trying to numb myself from just the pains of daily life. And I I literally put my head in my hands and just kind of said, oh, my God, are you kidding me? Is there more to life than this? And that is, Denise, that's the school of life doing its job. Everything is unfolding perfectly. And... uh that's when I say, in a mystical way, pain and suffering is good. It's all intended to lead us to that moment. And when I asked that question, it was like magical words. When I said, oh, my God, is there more to life than this? It was like that, that, woke, that woke up that sleeping giant that I keep talking about, that spirit, that soul that was just patiently waiting within and um, I don't know. It was just the best feeling in the world. You know, literally, it's a feeling in the pit of your stomach. Um, I, I opened up the drawer where I had those books that I could care less about the day before and the year before, for that matter. The books that, you know, were talking about how to meditate. And um, I tried it for the first time, and I really, really liked it. It, it, it gave me a, a certain peace of mind. You know, I just started listening and calmed my mind a little bit. I listened and did some deep breathing exercises that were explained in these books. And um, that first weekend that I want to say I made this discovery that I was no longer alone, that I kind of had this partner within I really felt like I had made it. I I felt like I felt like I was an enlightened man and I was on the top of the mountain. And it didn't take long. Within about 24, maybe 48 hours, I I got pulled back to reality and my bodyguard or my ego, whatever you want to call it, my separate self you know, the part of me that's been with me for those first 32 years, uh, 
quickly came to the surface and said, hey, 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 wait one second. <laughs> you know, <laughs> why, while, uh, while you were getting all new agey and meditating and discovering your new friend, um, you know, I was, I was here all along. So, so that's the epic battle, Denise. That's mm. where, that's where this, this bodyguard, this, um, you know, human part of your, of yourself, you know, kind of doesn't want to give up control. He doesn't want to surrender. He's not ready to surrender to that higher part of yourself that you just discovered. And I'm I'm embarrassed to say that I was stuck in that epic battle for about 20 years. And one of the reasons I wrote this book is I, I didn't want my kids to be stuck for 20 years. I mean, I learned a lot of stuff, and I would love to teach people how to go from discovery to surrender quickly because you can't skip any stages. But like I said, I I can probably help you get there quicker. And, you know, I've identified uh, a few of the reasons why we resist surrender. And for me, the biggest one was just fear of change. Um, I don't know. It's kind of scary to just jump headfirst into something new like that. My my self-talk, and, and maybe you can relate to this, Denise, my self-talk for those 20 years during that epic battle was kind of like this. I would say to myself, yeah, you know what? Life can be a struggle. You know, it's kind of painful, but it's safe. It's predictable. And, you know, that's what I kept telling myself. And... You know, it's kind of sad. You know, when did we become so complacent as human beings? We we become comfortable with our discomfort. You know, life is not meant, it, you know, that's BS. Life was not meant to be pain and struggle. It really is. I swear to God, now that I'm on the other side looking back, life is meant to be this joyous, blissful place. And I, you know, I have never been so at ease and content, and I'm I'm hoping to, you know, to share that path with others. Um, uh, he, no, go ahead. I'm sorry. I kind of, I kind of. And we and of, we thank you. You know, I can go. We. I love what you're sharing, and but we're coming to near the end of the uh, the hour. Okay. I love everything that you shared in in, in the show. Um, but before we go, I definitely want to ask you about this. Can you tell us about Water.org? I see you're donating like 100% of the ebook proceeds to Water.org. Why did you choose Water.org? I am so glad you reminded me of that because oftentimes we we will run out of time talking on these shows, and I I forget to mention them. Uh, you know, I researched a lot of organizations. And as you can imagine, there's tons of worthy causes out there that donate food, shelter, clothing to those in need. But there's times where charity alone is not enough. And Water.org is so awesome. They, it reminds me of that old quote from uh, the Chinese philosopher Lao Tzu, who says, you can give a man a fish and you'll feed him for a day. But if you teach a man how to fish, 
you'll feed them for a lifetime. And water.org, they, they, they're not just donating water. They go into these communities, into these villages, and with their resources, they're helping people get water filtration systems and plumbing and wells. They help build you know, bathrooms. I mean, I hate to say in, in the year 2020 that people still don't have safe drinking water and, you know, safe places to use the bathroom. And that's what they're doing. And they're really, really empowering women because in a lot of these communities, it's the women who are responsible for going out and looking for water. And it, you know, it might be an all-day journey down to the river. And they're in dangerous situations on their trip back and forth to the water source. So to have a, a water well in their town, in their community, um, is just life-changing for them. And that's what water.org does. So, yes, 100% of my ebook proceeds is going to them, and they do great things in the world. And thank you so much for the work that you're doing. I'm sure our listeners so enjoyed you here this morning. We have just been so blessed to have Craig Calvavo here with us, Calabo here with us on Off the Shelf. He is the co-founder of Awesome Life. It's a program that he started with his wife, Amy, and he is also the author of the book, I Am God in Disguise, So Are You, and he is a supporter uh, where he's given 100% of his ebook proceeds to Water.org, which we just discussed. And Water.org is an organization that was founded 25 years ago by actor Matt Damon and Gary White to bring safe water and sanitation solutions to global communities. I really encourage you to visit Craig online at awesomelife.com. And correct me if I'm wrong, Craig, is A-W-E-S-O-M-L-I-F-E.com, or is it A-W-E-S-O-M-E? <laughs> No, no. So there's yeah, when you see my logo, you'll understand there's no e at the end of awesome. I I kind of take the two letters O M like the OM symbol like ah. you use in the, So when you see my logo, it kind of looks like the OM symbol. Um so although my message is very simple, my website is kind of complicated. <laughs> Sorry about that. It's A-W-E-S-O-M-L-I-F-E. No E uh, off the shelf, listeners. Again, A-W-E-S-O-M-L-I-F-E.com. Please go out and visit Craig. Again, he's the author of the good, the book, I Am God in Disguise. So are you. Thank you, thank you, thank you, Craig. And to our listeners who I, I saw you guys coming in, coming in today, thank you for being in, here with us. If you came in midstream or near the end of the show, no worries. After it finishes streaming, you can go back and listen to it in the archives in entirety and, and share it with others who you think might benefit from uh, the message that Craig is sharing. Thank you again, Craig, to our listeners. As I always tell you, you are awesome. You are amazing. You are incredible. Go out and create a fabulous day for yourself. Craig, I'll shoot you an email when the show finishes streaming. Bye for now. Thank you, Denise.